Let us all pray together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our ears with a moan. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as, as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as you have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Heavenly Fathers, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. God, we are here on, in the end of July. You have been so faithful in the year of 2020. For seven months, God, you have been faithful. Through this pandemic, you have been faithful. Through our struggles, God, you have been faithful. God, blessed be your name. And may your name be praised. May we be like Job, where we will not sin against you by what we say. But Lord, let us just say and declare with our mouths, for the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness so far. And I pray right now, as you transition to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of the hearts of our members here who are listening, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, speak to us, for we are hungry and thirsty and desperate to hear your word once again. Lord, we surrender ourselves with humility. God, we lay down our crowns and we'll look to you, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Jesus Christ, your precious son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everyone. It's really good to be here today. I can't believe we are finally at the end of July and we'll be meeting in person very soon. It's been amazing, this journey of just doing the recording here. And I know that it's been hard for some of us, but thank you for being steadfast with me. And I pray that we will continue to be steadfast until we finish the end of this year and continue on until the, until the day we take our final breath in this one life, one chance that we have as a child of God. Amen. So today we're going to be continuing. 
with our Job series. We are now in Job series part six. And today's title is called Job's Friends. That's what friends are for. I'll say it again. Job's Friends. That's what friends are for. Today's passage is found in Job chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And let's go ahead and read our main passage for today, beginning with verse 11. It says this. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Beldad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nemethite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Now, right now in this passage in verse 11 to 13, we see three friends that are mentioned. In the beginning, the book of Job mentions three friends. And their names are Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, the three main friends. And these are the friends that we should not follow as examples. Now, keep in mind, in this whole message, there are a total of four friends. And the fourth friend, which his name is Elihu, he's mentioned later in chapter 32. Now, he is the youngest out of all the friends of Joe's friends. Again, right here, there are three friends, but total, in today's message, there are four friends. But in verse 11 to 13, only three friends' names are mentioned. Eliphaz, Beldad, and Zophar. Now, Eliphaz, Beldad, and Zophar, which is mentioned in chapter 2. Elihu, which will be mentioned in chapter 32. You'll, be, you'll see the names on the screen. And it is this, and I'm going to begin with this quote. There's a quote that says, if you have one true friend in your lifetime, you are a wealthy individual. Last week we talked about having health. That having health is our greatest wealth. But it's not just about your health, but it's about the relationships and the friendships that you have that will make you wealthy that makes us whole as a human being. Be careful who you surround yourself with. As a Christian, as Christian men and women of God, be careful who you surround yourselves with, who you hear advice from, who you talk to, who you speak to, who you listen to, for like minds will draw in like characters. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Now, there's a song that is written around 1985. And it was a song by Dionne Warwick, Elton John, Steve, Stevie Wonder, and Gladys Knight. And you can see the clip on YouTube. And in this song, in the lyrics, it says, And I never thought I'd feel this way. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm glad I got the chance to say that I do believe I love you and if I should ever go away well then close your eyes and try to feel the way we do today 
And then if you can remember, keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me for sure. That's what friends are for, for good times and bad times. I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for. I'll say it again. That's what friends are for, for good times and bad times. I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for. Growing up, and majority of you know my testimony, friends, friendships were everything to me growing up. Now in friendships, there are healthy friends and harmful friendships. Just like food, just like there are healthy foods that we choose to put in our bodies versus harmful and unhealthy foods that we choose to eat, there are friends who are healthy for you, and there are friends who are harmful to your life. There are relationships that are beneficial to you. Are you a friend that is beneficial to, the, to your friends, to the other person, or are you an individual that brings harm to the other individual, to your friends? Keep that in mind. It's not about you having good friendships, but are you a good friend to your friend, to the friend that you have? And how beautiful and blessed we are, how amazing and how beautiful it is, the picture it is, how blessed we are when we are surrounded by good friends, when good friends come to our aid, whenever we are in need, when we go through troubles, when there's a funeral that happens, when your friends that come, they come and they support you, they celebrate with you, they mourn with you. They are there to comfort you. And friendships aren't this. It's not a friend that speaks, always that says the right things. But it's the friend who is right there with you when you're weeping, who's standing right there beside you, who will stand by you, who will stand for you, who will take your side, and also who can correct you when we're doing something wrong. Not just to, to please us and to suck up to us and to blow up our heads so that, so that we can become great in our own minds. But when we're doing something wrong, that they're able to correct us and tell us that we are wrong. They're able to discipline us because it comes from a place of love. So how beautiful and how blessed we are when we have good friends, when we have healthy friends who will come to our aid. How amazing it is that when friends come together and they stick together over the years through thick and thin. And as Christians, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as friends in Christ, that's what we are called to do. To be there for one another through thick and thin. And as I was preparing for today's message, I was having a stand-by-me moment. You know, if you haven't watched the movie, uh, please watch it. It's a classic. And it's a, a moment that I had where I was just remembering all of my friends growing up, you know, my childhood friends, and remembering them, you know, to those who have passed away and to those who are still alive. You know, cheers to all my childhood friends, to the friends that I've known over the years, to those who are still breathing, who are still living, and who are healthy. And I just want to say, Chingu, I love you and I miss you, and I am praying for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12 tells us this, that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls has no one to help them up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And for today's message, I have three main points for today's message. And on these points, I'll be emphasizing on the word speak. For what you speak equals your action. Remember Job chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse and die. We went over this last week. Verse 10 tells us, he replied, Job replied to his wife, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin by what? In what he said. Job did not sin in what he said. Job did not sin with his lips. So again, three points. Before we go to our three points, when we do each point, Please add this question. What makes a good Christian friend? Again, what makes a good Christian friend? When I say a Christian friend, I'm talking about a godly friend who will push you to live a life of character, to live a life of integrity, to live a life that honors God. What makes a good Christian friend? Number one, a friend who speaks with godly action. Please turn to your neighbor and say, a friend who speaks with godly action. Let's take a look at verse 11 to 13. It says this, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Nemethite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Again, the point, a friend who speaks with godly action. And what did they do here? What was their action? Well, they got up, right? They empathized with him, right? They saw him from a distance. They wanted to comfort him, and they began to weep with him. They tore their robes, sprinkled their dust, and the key here is verse 13. How did they speak with godly action? Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Anyone can say that they love you. Anyone can say, I have your back. But it's not about what you say. But let your actions speak your words. Let your actions be your words. It's not just about saying that I'm going to do it. It's not about declaring with our mouths that we're going to do it. But let your actions be the mouth, the words that come out of the life, the life, the body that we live. But in the end, it's not about your words. It's about your actions. Reading verse 13. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. And again, it's about your action. 
It's not just about your words. Now, in reference to 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and 2 Samuel chapter 23, there's a story of David during a, in a time of war. And David, it says in reference, in 1 Chronicles 11, it says, David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three, which were the mighty warriors of David, it says, so the three, in verse 18, broke through the Philistine line and because there was a need and there was an action taken by his men, by his friends, by the people who were with him. These three individuals broke through the Philistine line, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives because they risked their lives to bring it back? David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. I mean, imagine this scene. David, he is thirsty. And the three mighty men, they say, okay, no problem. They go and they break through the Philistine line. They kill multiple people. They risk their lives to get water. Right, for they were thirsty. And then they get him the water, and then David gets it, and what does he do? He, does, he refuses to drink the water. Instead, he pours, it, he pours it out. I mean, I think that is an amazing and a beautiful picture of what loyalty looks like. That is an amazing picture of what friendships look like, what loyalty looks like. There was a need, and there was an action taken. These men, and they risked their lives. They put their life on the line. And David, he knew the cost. He knew the sacrifice of his friends. And he refused to drink it. I mean, that's honor, right? And we see in this story that we are called as Christians, that as a friend, that we need to be a friend who speaks with godly action, not just with our words. And with the sub point with number one is this. Letter A, be your friend who goes like David's mighty man. And letter B, be your friend who stays like Job's friends. Job's friends also went and they stayed with Job. Be your friend who goes and be your friend who stays. Amen. Going to our point number two. Again, the question, what makes a good Christian friend? A friend who speaks with godly wisdom. I'll say it again. A friend who speaks with godly wisdom. Please turn to your neighbor and say, a friend who speaks with godly wisdom. In Job chapter 13, verse 5, later, in the later chapters, we see that after his friends started speaking, we see that they started spewing a lot of nonsense. And Job, in his frustration, he tells his friends, the three friends, right, Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad, he tells them this. He says in verse 13, 5, If only you would remain silent, for that would be your wisdom. I'll say it again. If only you would remain silent, for that would be your wisdom. In the beginning, when they kept their mouths closed, in chapter 2, they were good. Later, when they started speaking, they were not good. 
So again, you see it on the screen. First friend, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu. All three, the first three, nope, nope, nope. And then the fourth friend, Elihu, yes. He was the only one that spoke with wisdom. That's why it says in Job chapter 16, verse 2, Job tells his friends that you are miserable comforters, all of you. He couldn't stand the company of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. The good that Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did was found only in the beginning in chapter 2 when they did not speak. Let's look at verse 13. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. But after that, but once they started speaking, things went downhill quickly. And we see later in chapter 32, Elihu, the fourth friend, the mysterious friend, the youngest out of the four. He comes later and he rebukes the older Eliphaz. He rebukes Bildad. He, re he rebukes Zophar. And what we can learn from here, from, from Elihu, the youngest out of the four friends, is this, that age has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. For he was the youngest out of the group. Age has nothing to do with maturity. I've met older individuals, and their minds, and their attitudes, and their approach to life, their outlook on life is that of a child. But as Christians, we are not called to be like a child. We are called to be childlike, but we are not called to be childish, immature in our faith, tossed back and forth by the storms and the waves. When hardships come, we are not called to be childish. We are called to be childlike before God. So again, we see here the wisdom here is about remaining silent, watching what you say, being careful. Sometimes a fool is thought wise if they remain silent, it says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. To be specific, and every transition tells us this, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. ESV translation says this, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. Remember, remember Joe's wife, if only she had kept silent in the moment of her adversity. But what does she say? Instead, she says in Job chapter 2, verse 9, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And how does Job reply in verse 10? You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And when I'm saying, when I'm talking about speaking with wisdom, I'm not talking about always having something to say. There are times where remaining silent is the best thing that we can do to a friend, to another individual, especially someone who is undergoing trials and pain in their life. For you will not always have the right answer. And we are called to remain and stay in that presence of where that individual needs to the needs of that individual. Again, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. 
how much better it would have been for Joe's wife if she remained silent and how she will regret her words later. So with point number two, a friend who speaks with godly wisdom, I want to add two sub-points here. And, th- and it's about two things that Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did right. And this, again, only in the beginning. The things that they did right was, letter A, they empathized with Job. Letter B, they remained silent before Job. Taking a look at verse 12 and 13. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Again, a friend who speaks with godly wisdom. And speaking with godly wisdom, a lot of times, is to remain silent, just to be with them. Right, that is wisdom in itself. Last point, point number three. Again, the question, what makes a good Christian friend? Number three is this, a friend who speaks with godly principle. And what do I mean by principle? I'm talking about correction. I'm talking about conviction. I'm talking about truth. So please turn to your neighbor and say, a friend who speaks with godly principle. Now, in chapter 32 and chapter 37, I mentioned the character Elihu. He comes out in chapter 32, and he speaks with godly principle. Elihu is the only one who is now rebuked by God in the later chapter. God comes and he rebukes the three friends, Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. God rebukes them. But Elihu is the only one who is now rebuked by God because he spoke with godly principle even though he was youngest out of the four. That's why it says in Job 42, verse 7, I am angry with you, and this is God speaking, and your two friends, because you have now spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Again, he's talking to Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And we see that they did not speak with godly principles. I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So three things here that we can learn from Elihu, which will be our three sub-points for point number three, a friend who speaks with godly principle. Letter A, stick to godly truths, not your personal feelings. Letter B, Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Take a look at James chapter 1 verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Again, quick to listen, slow to speak. Let us see. Exalt God, not your circumstances. And the passage that I want to read is found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 31. It says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, 
Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Again, Peter is walking on water, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Exalt God, not your circumstances. Don't focus on the wind. Don't focus on things that's happening. Don't look at where you're standing on or where you are. Don't be afraid of where you are or what you're going through. Look to Christ. If Peter had kept his eyes on Jesus, he would not have started to drown. Let us not be an individual of little faith and doubt. I pray that we would hold on to him. Remembering these three things. Sticking to godly truths. Never our personal feelings. Being quick to listen and slow to speak. Exalting God and never our circumstances. Again, point number three, a friend who speaks with godly principle. Out of these four friends, there are good things that we can learn. All right, let's stick with Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. That we learn in chapter 2 in the beginning, the good thing that they did was to empathize with Job. They saw a need, they took action, they went. And the, th- and the good thing that they did was that they stayed. And verse 13 tells us again, Then they sat on the ground with him seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Those are good things that we can learn. But may our aim be like Elihu, who is patient and who is not quick to speak, but is quick to listen, who speaks with wisdom, who speaks with true godly conviction, who speaks with godly principle. May we be found as individuals, as friends who are loyal and friends who will be Commended by God, not rebuked by God. Again, stick to godly truths, not your personal feelings. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Exalt God, not your circumstances. Going over the message once again, that's what friends are for. Again, the question, what makes a good Christian friend? Number one, a friend who speaks with godly action. Be a friend who goes. Be a friend who stays. Remember remember David's mighty men. Remember how Joe's friends, they remain and they stay with their friend. Number two, a friend who speaks with godly wisdom. Again, they empathized with Job. They remained silent before Job. Number three, a friend who speaks with godly principle. Stick to godly truths, never our personal feelings. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Exalt God, never your circumstances. The three things that we can learn from Elihu. And with that, I'm closing today's message with this. And if you could please close your eyes with me at this time. 
and with our eyes closed. You know, there's so much fluff in this world when it comes to relationships. And I'm sure you have encountered many of them. Friendships that are not genuine, wrong relationships, wrong friendships. You visited different churches over the years and maybe you have felt left out asking yourself this question, do I fit in anywhere? I mean, where do I even fit in? Everyone here knows each other. I feel left out. Maybe I don't belong. I don't belong in a church. Is there such a thing as a real friend, as a real Christian friend? For everyone is living the life of the world and are lost in the world. I'm not talking about a worldly, genuine friend. I'm talking about a godly, genuine friend who is there for you, who will pray for you, who are challenging you, who will push you to do the right things, who will tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Is there such thing as a real Christian community? Is there such thing as real loyalty? I have a challenge for us as a church. And as we're at the final week of July, I have a challenge for us. May we become the church that is a real community. When we come, become that church. I want to challenge you, Deep Roots Church, to be that church, to be a church that is filled with genuine believers who will stand for each other, who will go and will stay whenever you are in a place of brokenness and you're in a place of need, that will stand there for one another and that will have each other's backs. That we will be like 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will be the body of Christ. For we are all in it together to win it together. I want to challenge you to be that church. Let, let us strive to become that church, that deep roots church. We will be a church that is found in the foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The foundation will be found that will be on the word of God. And that we'll be quick. That we'll be quick to listen and slow to speak. That we'll stick to godly truths, not our personal feelings. That we will exalt God and never our circumstances. That we'll be individuals who speak godly action. Who speaks with godly action. We'll be a friend who speaks with godly wisdom. That will be a friend who speaks with godly principle. So can we at this time right now come together? And can we take a moment to pray for our church? As you know, the change that's going to happen this year. And the prayer that we've been praying, the prayer topic that we've been praying this year. And for the month of July. Especially with the big change that's coming. Can we just pray for one another right now? Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for this church. Please pray for me. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Can we just take this time right now? Let's ask God to unite our group and for God to bring us together. Let's pray together. Can we just pray together at this time? Let's pray. Let's pray.
not focus on our circumstances and our situations. But Lord, we look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So God, we look to you at this time. Please watch over our neighbors right now. For those who are listening, for those who are in are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Father, we admit today that we are not perfect individuals. God, we admit today that we have not been a good friend. God, it's not just about us receiving good friendships. But it's about us stepping up and being a good friend to those, to the individual who is in need. So God, I pray that you break away every cliques, every division in this body. But I pray, God, right now for unity in the body of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you protect every individual right now in our church from the youngest to the oldest, from the oldest to the youngest. For age does not matter. For God, we come before you right now as a child of God. As children of God, we pray to you with humility. And we ask God that you bring this body together. Oh, protect this group. Lord, protect us from the evil one. For God, the one who is in us is greater and stronger and more powerful than the one who is out in the world. Satan, you have no place here. You have no power and dominion over us. For we are in the, under the banner and under the shadow 
of the Almighty God under the shadow of the wings of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We give all glory to you. May your name be glorified. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. Amen and amen. Amen.